define luck and what luck may be. And I think this view is really interesting because, well, I didn't grow up with this notion. As a Hindu, I don't really believe in what Westerners would say is an omnipotent god or the only omnipotent god. Rather, I believe in a sort of cosmic force that, honestly, yeah, kind of does look like a god, but that god doesn't necessarily have ultimate control over anything and everything like the Christian god does. In that sense, this is where karma comes in. And I think a lot of people are confused over what karma is. I mean, some people even can't pronounce it right. I hear karma all the time, and it's... That's not it. You see, karma is a concept with a few different ways to define itself, especially in Hinduism and Buddhism. You know, there are a few sayings that people have heard of in the West, like, you reap what you sow, or what goes around comes around, or an eye for an eye. Um, maybe not so much that last one. Um because that one tends to have a connotation of revenge more than a sort of force that sets things equal. So, yeah, let me actually define karma for you guys. So, Hinduism defines karma as the relationship between a person's mental or physical action and the consequences that follow. It also signifies that these consequences, consequences of all actions in the lives of a given soul, since Buddhism, uh, Hinduism believes in reincarnation, create a sort of chain of cause and effect in morality. Buddhism, on the other hand, is very much more direct in the sense that karma is cause and effect, and is more explicitly defined that the result of an action, whether it be physical, verbal, or mental, is not determined by only the act, but also the intention. You see, karma promotes good intention, or at least believing in karma does. I mean, think about it. If, if I do some good deed to you, aren't you more likely to help me out in the future? Just based on uh, human emotions, not, not in this case based on karma. Just purely if you think about human emotions. If I help you, you might help me because I helped you. Because my action left some imprint on the world, some imprint on you, and my imprint on you is direct evidence that doing things, especially with corresponding intent, leads to certain results. Because I helped you, you'll help me. And so, karma has four main principles. First, small actions can lead to great results. Think about it like this. If I were to, let's say, uh, give my $2.50 um, that I was going to be using for a train ticket to this bustling young man who's wearing a fine suit with his nice umbrella, you know, one of those old-style ones, and those cool hats, like, not a fedora per se, but... You know, and he needs to get his ticket on to the bus, but he doesn't have any change. And I've given my ticket. Then who's to say later down the line that that man won't come back and help me? Or maybe something even unrelated happens simply because the universe wills that because I did some good deed that I deserve a good deed back. 
Second, karma is non-transferable, meaning that my good deeds don't affect your karma, in the sense that whatever I do, you don't reap the benefits of. You know, think about that saying I mentioned at the beginning of this whole discussion, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow, not what anybody else does. If you, if you want to think about karma in terms of like a farm, you can too. Um, you wouldn't necessarily take someone else's crops. I mean, of course, there's trade and all that, but that, that doesn't really apply here. You wouldn't simply, you don't steal other people's crops. You grow your own crops. And that's exactly what happens with karma. You don't get to take other people's karma. Your karma comes from your actions. Third, non-committed actions won't give you the results you want. Meaning what I said before about intention mattering. If you do some good deed with the intention that it's going to help you out, you're not going to reap any benefit from it. Think about like the millionaires and billionaires who donate to charity and use it as a tax write-off. Now, donating to charity is a worthy cause, and I fully support it 100%, especially from these millionaires and billionaires that have the money to do so. But at the same time, their intention is to use it as a tax write-off. And so, so they're not reaping the karmic reward. And fourth, karmic actions won't disappear on their own. And that one, that one's a little more clear-cut in the sense that you will get what's coming to you. What goes around comes around. So you do good, great. Something good will happen to you. You just have to hang on and keep waiting. And if you do bad, well, unfortunately, something bad might happen to you. And, yeah, that's that's honestly what I believe. And now, I'm not saying that I'm necessarily right or wrong, or that you should give these any more or less weight than you normally would. But, you know, it's it's very interesting to think about. So, I'll just leave you with that. I always think it's nice for people to be introduced to different ideas. And you know, that's precisely one of the things that I really enjoy about college. I'm exposed to a myriad of different worldviews and perspectives. And I think it's really good for people to be exposed to different worldviews, as I previously said. In fact, I think more people these days could do with a little more exposure. And, and, you know, I like to read all sorts of different texts from different traditions and faiths. I just think that it's very, very helpful because you grow as a person through changing and shaping your understanding. And I believe the only way to keep on that pursuit is to keep reading and listening and, more importantly, learning. I believe we are all students of life. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of funny. Uh, one of the first worldviews that I was really introduced to here at Villanova was this like Christian Catholic view that I wasn't really exposed to in high school because I went to a primarily Jewish and Protestant Christian high school. 
So it wasn't really, you know, something that was known to me. So coming to Villanova and experiencing this new worldview was so enlightening. Because, I mean, obviously there are fundamentals that most people believe in. But there are also things that are very hard line a part of certain worldviews and certain belief systems that I wouldn't get from anywhere else. If you're just joining us now, my name is Ray Singh, and you're listening to Sing of the Hill on V89.1, The Roar. And we're just talking about how nice it is to be introduced to different perspectives, different worldviews, different comprehensive doctrines. Now, there's a fancy term that I learned in class, so why don't I use it on air? (laughs) So, what is a comprehensive doctrine? Well, comprehensive doctrines are simply sets of beliefs affirmed by, well, regular citizens, people like you and me, concerning a range of different values, including moral, metaphysical, and religious, as well as beliefs of personal virtues and political beliefs about the way society ought to be. And and it's it's interesting because everybody has their own comprehensive doctrine, their own worldviews, but there are some things that we all share that help unite us. And I think more people need to realize that we share a lot more than we think. You know, it's interesting. The other day I was reading on uh, Confucianism, and uh, I don't know how many of you guys know listening to this uh, program, but Confucianism is been debated to be a religion and a philosophy, which is interesting because I always thought of it as a old olden religion, but apparently debate is still going on. And so this belief system uh, focuses on the importance of personal ethics and morality. And it's it's really interesting because um, their tenets like subsist of like really learning and understanding things and you know why why there's reverence for ancestors or the love of antiquity things like that so that's one thing I'd been reading the other thing I had been reading recently um actually you know what I think I'll I'll read something for you guys are these tenets to a belief system that I recently have discovered thanks to, well, exposure, um, because I know someone who uh, follows these beliefs. So let me read you some of these tenets. One should strive to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures in accordance with reason. The struggles for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. One's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. The freedom of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend, to willingly and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego your own. And you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, read them all, but I think it's it's very interesting because this view is one that really is kind of marred by its predecessor. And I, for those of you who don't know, I'm talking about Satanism. Uh, it's, it's a very 
interesting viewpoint, but also it's a very misunderstood viewpoint because people think it has magic and the devil, and that's simply not true. Uh, I was I was doing research into this topic, and uh, the Satanic Temple actually is a new institution. I believe either uh, founded in 2013 or 2012 or something like that, and it's really it's really about personal understanding more than it is about you know creating a groupthink that only follows one viewpoint not to say that there's anything wrong with that i think unity in views is one of the most uh pure forms of unity but it's always interesting when you hear an ideology that um, claims uh, to be backed up by science instead of religion. And now, obviously, as a religious man myself, this kind of challenged me a little bit. But still, it was interesting to hear, and I think I'm better for hearing it. So I hope all of you do some research into different viewpoints. That doesn't have to be Satanism or Confucianism. Catholicism, Hinduism, it doesn't have to be. It can even just be going down to your next door neighbor or your roommate or who, someone you might live around and just ask them, hey, what do you think about this topic? And I think you'll find they have a very interesting take on it. So now I want to move toward a a less serious topic, um, and that is music, because uh, I I love music. Uh, I actually write music, but um, I'm not here to plug that. Uh, I'm I'm here to talk about one of my favorite artists, and that is Radiohead. And I don't know if a lot of you know Radiohead, but um, they're this really, really nice band. And I, I'd like to take a moment to just talk to you about some of my favorite pieces, or some of my f favorite albums. And so, I think I, think, uh, I want to start off with my favorite album, and that is OK Computer. And a lot of my friends will disagree with me on this, but OK Computer, you know, the 90s were kind of a strange time, and, you know, Radiohead was always being compared to Oasis and Blur, and that must have been kind of a drag. And they wanted to put a stop to this, so then they released OK Computer. And it really did change rock because they still kept this like postmodern affluence of Britpop but they threaded it with the third person narrative and detachment that really only Radiohead can pull off like that's what I believe they invited science fiction into the action movie world and came up trumps and it's it's really interesting. You have songs like 
no surprises, karma police, you know, and they're really, they're really interesting pieces with really interesting messages, and I think, you know, like, exit music for a film, let down, the tourist, oh, the tourist is so good, um, I think that more people need to listen to it because like it's 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 got a very sci-fi alternative rock kind of feel and of course alternative rock is radiohead's main juice but this really really um takes the cake and I'm sure one of my friends, he's really into music too, especially rock. I'm sure he's shaking his head at me saying, well, how could you rank OK Computer number one over my next favorite album, In Rainbows? I mean, I'm sorry. It's, I just love, love how they push the ticket. But um, yeah, moving on to In Rainbows it really it really grows as time goes on to be more and more like a hallowed piece of their work and really like it really connects it connects radiohead with their audience on a much deeper level and now don't get me wrong there's still a lot of darkness to in rainbows, like, think about, like, Faust Arp, videotape, um, but, like, if you think about music and colors, oh my god, the colors here, the tickets that they push are incredible, I mean, you'd think you'd be listening to, like, how to disappear completely, or how to disappear in a strings, I mean, the, sh the sheer potency of this album. Oh, my God. But that's just my take. And I said this was going to be a quick bit, so I'll wrap it up at that. Now, moving on to a topic that I think will get a little bit frisky is um, how do we feel about COVID right now? I mean, is it there? Is it over? <laughs> like, what's going on with that? I mean, we still have restrictions in some places in the city and, like, doctor's offices, you still wear masks. And I'm sure for many people, this is a still a new thing that is challenging to understand. But, um, I think it's really interesting because in these some of these places you show your your covid card or your covid pass or you know your very easily attainable fake covid pass or card i mean seriously who designed these things man it's like we basically got the squad that did the monopoly money you know i think even they have more security like no one fakes monopoly money too like how do you how is it that we have something run by uh, one of the strongest government agencies, government organizations, so fallible, so easy to fake? 
And, I mean, like, in theory, we're also all vaccinated, right? Like, somewhere like 96%, 97%. And I feel like at this point, if you don't want the vaccine, like, it's it's basically like a flu vaccine at this point. Like, and even then, there are people who don't get flu vaccines or really any vaccine of any type. But I honestly, when I when I look at it and I read articles from all these distinguished scientists and medical professionals, it really does seem more like a more and more like a flu-like disease than it did like the the standard epidemic that it was. And I think that's actually how the flu started too. It was also an epidemic, but we found a vaccine, or we found. Uh, treatments that made it less and less um, fatal, or not less and less fatal, but, you know, they took less lives because we were doing more treatments, we were vaccining, so we were able to fight it off better, and I think that's starting to happen with COVID. So, I have to ask then, you know, when when are we going to reach a point where we say, alright, lose the masks, lose the restrictions, just get vaccinated, like, when are we, when are we going to get to there? And of course, you're going to have, again, a few people who don't get the vaccine and mortality rate, that's the word, uh, is going to hit them harder, like, you know that point will never not be there but at least the point where the rest of us don't have to wear masks like it just it seems easier that way if we reach that point again but at the same time like i fully i for one understand the point of masks or rather i condone the usage of masks uh, I carry a mask with me wherever I go just in case I have, like, a professor in class that says, hey, I'm sick, sorry, mask up, or hey, if you guys are sick, mask up, um, or just I want to be precautious, mask up, um, like, professors like that, or at a store, or a restaurant, or, again, the doctor's office, <clears throat> because... In theory, masks don't protect the user as much as they protect other people. And so if you look at Asian countries in the East, um, they, they have this practice of when they are sick, they don't necessarily stay home and like skip out of work or skip out of school, but they don't just go to those places willy-nilly. No, they wear a mask. And that reduces transmission by a lot. And so, if we were to adopt something similar, and I'm, I'm not saying that we will, but if we were to adopt something similar, I think we would have a really interestingly similar outcome. Folks, if you're just tuning in now, this is Sing of the Hill with your host, Ray Singh, and you're listening to on V89.1, The Roar. 
V89.1 The Roar is proud to announce that we can now be heard on 89.1 all day, every day, for the first time in Villanova's history. Listen to our programming anywhere in the main line on 89.1, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, with our now full-time FM signal. And now, what was I saying before? Yes, so... We have tools. We know from other countries' examples that we have tools. And we know that the end goal is to go back to where we were. You know, not having requirements. So why don't we adopt these things that work, like vaccines and mask usage when you need it? But that's just me. Folks, I'm sure some of you are surprised that I'm getting so political, but uh, this is a politics show. Well, politics, pop culture, music, and I think I'm I think I'm hitting that. Why don't Why don't you guys tell me? Uh, I'll plug uh, my social media later on. But um, yeah, I'd like to move on to another very political topic, um, and something that sort of splits the crowd a little. Um, well. I guess I'll just jump into it. How do we feel about gun control, guys? Now, no, wait. Before... Before you say anything or turn me off or anything, just don't get excited because other people have guns. And I'm sure the anti-gun people are like, yeah, yeah, he's going to talk about gun control. Now, before I start saying anything, I want to say this. I believe in the right as Americans to have guns. All I'm saying is my personal belief is that if we're gonna have them, they should have heavy, heavy background checks and restrictions. You shouldn't be able to procure a gun in one day. That's just my belief. But at the same time, I don't think you need to limit yourself to having one pistol that you keep in your purse or one hunting rifle. No, you can have guns for sport or for hunting or for self-defense. I think those are really the only reasons you'd need a gun. And I fully support you having them. But, I also have to wonder sometimes, should there be a limit? Now, obviously, like I said, like, I'm, I'm for the Second Amendment. I think you should have guns. It's in the Constitution. But, there are a lot of, a lot of lies surrounding uh, the argument about gun control in terms of what guns do what deaths and there's a there's the good guy with a gun story and it's very it's very interesting because a lot of people tend to favor gun control but politicians that are funded by uh groups like the nra don't and because we live more under a trustee model uh where politicians are able to express their views and act on their views rather than in a more representative facility or representative capacity 
um, they're able to kind of give in to these pressures. And uh, I want to talk about um, California for a second because uh, they have some of the strictest gun control in the nation. And it's interesting because um, they actually recently, uh, Governor Newsom is pushing for more gun control restrictions. And there are polls showing that many Californians are overwhelmingly supportive of him many many Californians are supportive of him maybe that just goes to show the state rather than uh, anything else but yeah it's it's really interesting because I believe it's twice as many likely voters think it's more important to control gun ownership than it's is to protect gun rights which is a bit a hard line of a view because if you if you want there to be restrictions, it's like, all right, are you restricting them completely? Like, what's the deal here with that? But it's very interesting because the Supreme Court threw out a concealed carry law similar to, uh, similar to California's that was uh, propagated by New York, and their legislator has failed to pass a replacement. But, you know, it's it's really interesting. I've been saying that a lot. It's interesting, it's interesting, it's interesting. But it really is to see how different of views we can have. And, like I said before, different views help us learn. See how it comes around full circle? Isn't that, isn't that nice? But, um... Yeah... So, I want to move on to uh, another topic that is, this time, a little more close to uh, people here in Villanova, and that is the school food. And I want to, I want to start off by saying, wow, Pitt? Wow. The improvement? Wow. Spit? I haven't been to. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Kova? Again, improvement. Con? Improvement. St. Mary's? Improvement. Like, <coughs> they've been really, really doing well with, uh, With their new food supplier, or um, who, who, uh, however it works, because um, uh, I was told that they got a new food supplier um by someone I know in uh, SGA, and it's really awesome that this happened because before I used to have problems eating the food and I would DoorDash frequently. And I'm sure many of you might also be fans of DoorDash, especially you guys who are still in college. Um, but, uh, 
or maybe you guys who are still in high school, I don't know the age of my audience yet. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so amazing how turned around it is. Like I can, I don't just, I'm not just able to digest the food. I'm able to like the food. And that's a big thing for me because I'm someone who loves to cook. And, and I really like, one of my big things is that I missed being able to cook because I missed being able to eat food that I didn't have a problem eating. And so when the dining hall changed, it's, it's food provider and we upgraded to glass plates and regular silverware. I think, oh my God, you know, this is food that not only what I wouldn't mind, but sometimes I even enjoy. I mean, some of my friends have like gone star crazy saying, wow, some of these dishes actually taste really good. And I, I remember even on uh, Monday night, I went to go get Pit, and there was a really long line. Like, literally outside the door. Like, so, uh, for those of you who don't go to Villanova, uh, the way this building is set up is that uh, Pit is the name of uh, the Duggerty, one of the buildings on campus, uh, dining hall, and it's in the basement. Uh, or not basement, but the lower level, and that's why it's called Pit. So, uh, and there's an entrance from the outside um, to this lower level, and there's also, like, you can go to uh, the entrance that's on the top, or the middle level, and um, you can walk in through there and walk down the stairs, but also below, there's another entrance uh, to the lower level, and it's really, it was really amazing to see all these people standing outside for dining hall food. Like, normally, had there been a line, people would have left and gone to other dining halls. I've seen it happen before. But, to see it happen now, and people don't leave... That says something about the school food. So, I want to applaud the school. Well done. Well done. And I want to applaud SGA. Well done. Well done. But I have to ask, why did this change only happen now? Because, I mean, I'm sure that there was a whole debate prog process, but why did this change only happen now? I mean... What what was this provider offering that we weren't able to, or what was this provider asked for that we weren't able to provide or anything? And I'm sure that's not the case. I'm sure I'm oversimplifying, and I'm sure that it's much, much more complicated, as, well, these things are. But, um, yeah, no, the school food has improved greatly, and I think that... Well, well, after this radio show, I have class, but no, after, um, after my classes, I'll be eating school food. I won't be door dashing. I won't be going to a restaurant. We have some pretty nice restaurants around here. Um, but, uh, I think I'll willingly and happily go to the dining hall. 
And that feels so refreshing to say because a lot of schools are known to have really good dining hall food that students barely eat off campus. And I think it's especially funny when some of these schools are city colleges because in the city, restaurant quality is so much higher. So it's amazing that the school got to this level, the school dining halls. And now, of course, I haven't been to Spit on the South Campus uh, dining hall yet, and uh, I'm sure that uh, there has been some change to that food, too, uh, in terms of also, like, the cutlery and, like, the actual, like, the plates and bowls. Um, but um, I, I, I have to go there myself to see uh, what the food's going to be like. I'll have to get lunch or dinner with uh, some of my freshman friends. Not breakfast, because if I'm being honest, the breakfast is still the same in uh, all the other dining halls. <coughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, it's still pretty much the same. And uh, I'm not a fan of breakfast food anyway, so that's probably more the reason why. I'm sure the breakfast is not that bad. But uh, yeah, I just, I'm sorry. I Eggs, no. I mean, they're good protein. They're great protein. And... I love protein, but eggs just, I, they don't do it for me, man. But, um, it was really interesting, actually. The other day, I went in for breakfast, and they had these pastries, these breakfast pastries. And I'm not talking about, like, the Danishes um, that you might see, you know, like the puff pastry with the uh, little circle of either cheese or jam in the center. I'm talking about these, like, braided pastries that um, were filled with uh, ham and cheese and egg or spinach cheese and egg, and I got one of those. And, folks, let me tell you, that was restaurant-quality food. restaurant quality food and i'm not making this up i i don't know when they're gonna have it next but i highly recommend it if they uh, ever have it again so so yeah i'll leave it i'll leave it that at that that the food has improved uh greatly uh in the in the dining halls and i'll have to check out uh south uh the south campus dining hall um donahue hall uh to uh, see how it is yeah and for those of you watching uh right now uh we are on the air and you're listening to the the roar and more specifically my show is sing of the hill and i'm racing your host and you're on V89.1. I want to talk to you guys about some of my hobbies for a little bit. Because uh, I've been recently uh, getting back into songwriting. I mentioned before that I do some songwriting. And I've been getting back into it. And, you know, songwriting is really, really fun. But also really hard. Like, I could sit for more than two hours at a piano 
and not have a tune. Or I could sit for like, again, like an hour, two hours, add a sheet of paper and not have lyrics. But when, when I, honestly, when I don't want it to, stuff just comes to me and I have to just write it down as fast as I can. You know, like on my notes app or on the docs app on Google. Um, and I have to make sure that I don't forget it and I have it somewhere. Otherwise, I won't have access to it again. And so, when I go back later on to to play the piano or write the actual lyrics, then I at least have something to work with. And honestly, when you have something to work with, that pushes miles of the work forward. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to start with a blank sheet of paper and come up with the absolute worst pieces that really anyone could come up with. Like, it's it's honestly, like, it sucks. But when you have something, when you have a little bit of something to go on, like a few chords or a few notes or maybe a phrase or a couple lines, you can really build around that, and you can really build something up. It, it, it almost is like when you're building a house, and not necessarily that you don't have a foundation yet, but that you don't know what materials to use. That's what it feels like, and obviously that metaphor doesn't really make sense, because it's like, well... You know what material you'd use because you're sitting in front of piano, you're sitting in front of a guitar, you're sitting in front of, like, that's what the material is. But that's not the feeling. The feeling is that you're still searching around for something to begin with. But, um, I don't know. That's that's just me. I've also um, been playing basketball with some of my friends, um... I'm on an intramural team. That's fun. I haven't been to a game yet, but I will uh I'll have to pop out and actually play on a in one of the games. I'm not particularly good, but I'm sure my teammates will say that I'm fun to have around. At least I hope they would say that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's fun to play because everybody has different playing styles and different techniques that they use. Like, oh my gosh, like the different, I was talking about this the other day with one of my really close friends, the different shot forms that we all have, like in our friend group is immense. I mean, some people, like, some of us are shooting, like, LeBron, some of us are shooting, like, Steph, and some of us, me, are shooting, like, second graders who are just learning how to play, which is really disheartening for me, because I used to play travel AAU, and for those of you who don't know, that's a pretty rigorous league, <laughs> so I don't know how I got so poor at basketball, but, um, 
yeah, no, it's incredibly fun to play, and it's incredibly good physical activity. Well, I mean, any physical activity is good physical activity, of course, but yeah, it's it's been really, really fun. Uh, and this really started before break, and before, I should say, before winter break, um, for those of you who uh, aren't in college or um, <coughs> maybe unsure about, uh, you know, the structure or anything. But um, yeah, before winter break is when I really started picking this up with some of my friends. And... Um, yeah, no, it's been really, really fun because, you know, varying skill levels and all that, but being competitive, taking part of some sort of competitive activity, engaging in sport, is really exhilarating for anybody, any gender, race, creed, class, like, I highly recommend engaging in some sort of sport sporting activity of course any physical activity is good activity but um sports definitely like you know tossing a football around even like it's just it's fun and you 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 almost you get something more out of it than just simply having fun you get the physical aspect too like for instance, um, when I used to, uh, go to the gym more, uh, when I was in high school playing football, sometimes, uh, we would, uh, take dips in the pool, and we would swim, and now swimming is a sport too, but, um, I, I'm talking about in capacity of, uh, just, like, racing with my friends, like, just for the heck of it, uh, I'm sure, uh, like, actual swimmers do some very intense, uh, swim, uh, drills and, uh, workouts, too, but, um, no, but, like, after we'd, uh, go to the gym, we would take a dip in the pool, and we would just race, and, you know, swimming is one of those things that, like, very, very few sports and physical activities are able to fully work out your body, but swimming is one of those things that has that capability. And I, I for one, love to swim. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, like, the fastest, like, I'm not an athlete. But um, I'm still pretty quick. Like, I know my way around the pool. And it's really, really fun to, to do but we're also getting the physical element out of it. You know, we're we're swimming. So we're working out a, a lot a lot of our body, you know, legs, arms, chest, uh core, um back. Like it honestly name a part of the body that it doesn't work it doesn't work out. Like that's honestly easier. So but yeah, like we were just doing it for fun, and we were getting something out of it. So, and honestly, you could say that about the gym itself. And now, I know that a lot of people um, don't really like going to the gym. I, myself, sometimes have trouble waking up in the morning just to go to the gym. 
or have trouble like after classes after like a long day going to the gym but it's really rewarding because it is really really fun to just lift weights run on the treadmill uh cycle i'm gonna say lift weights again because i love lifting weights um yeah like it is really really fun and i mean like you can push it as hard as you want to well i mean within reason within reason like if you if you're like a 150 pound man chances are you're not benching 350 i mean you could i'm i guess it's possible i don't think it's feasible or plausible that that's gonna happen but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say never but um yeah but like if you lift within reason then you're gonna do amazing And, and I think that, you need to, or when I say you, I, I, I'm addressing, I guess, everybody on air and, I guess, off air too, you need to, um, make sure that you're doing it regularly, you're doing it safely. And I mean, I guess safely goes for everything that you do in life, but regularly too, because you're not going to reap any benefits if you go, like, once a year. Like, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm getting a text from one of my friends saying to talk about the basketball team. Uh, I don't think... Uh, I'll just wrap up this topic and maybe I'll move on to that. Um, you know, gosh, I, f- I forgot what I was going to say. Dang it. Okay. Well, the basketball team. Um, well, we are, uh, not doing as good as we, uh, might've expected. We had a strong freshman class, but Honestly, we uh, we could be doing better, and I think that a lot of the reason, and there are a couple reasons that I'll touch upon, uh, is that Kyle Neptune needs to find his own coaching style, and I think that he's trying to use a lot of what worked with Jay, and I think recently he's been doing a good job uh, pushing the ticket and uh, finding what works for him. But there's still a lot of Jay that is... uh, Jay Wright, I should say, uh, that is kind of nestled in with all the uh, style uh, of the gameplay. And... You know, we just had our game against uh, Marquette yesterday, and unfortunately, uh, that was a pretty sad loss. Um, wasn't too big. It was 64 
a 73, but, you know, those, those nine points really, like, we, we could have, like, watching the game, like, we could have stopped those nine points and could have added at least a jump, a jumper here or there, or maybe a layup, or the odd three, like, some of our misses were kind of our fault because I think like I said the game plan is a little too close to what uh what uh Jay used to do and you know it's really sad because uh we were a force to be reckoned with in the Big East and now we're concerned about March Madness. Like that's what that's what this is coming to. Um and and honestly, I'm not the best person to be talking about this. I was just asked to. So, um, you know, maybe I'll have to have my friend on and uh he can talk to you guys about this and we can kinda go back and forth. But um uh, he'll tell you, like, it is honestly not that good that, uh, you know, Villanova's where it's at. I mean, at least one thing is that Villanova has remained an active program and is capable of competing. But... But I think that, you know, the Big East itself also needs to really revamp. Like, the Big East was full of really some strong contenders, but it fell a while ago, and it's only starting to come back up. So, but at least, hey, at least we're not the big sky. So, I'll, uh... I'll leave it at that. For those of you just tuning in, you're listening to WXVU Villanova. And you're listening to Sing of the Hill with your host, Ray Sing. Boy, I am honestly getting kind of hungry. And I gotta ask... What's your guys' favorite foods? Think about that. Because I feel like your favorite food is a product of what you grew up eating. Like, I don't think... I don't think your favorite food honestly comes too late in life. Like, I think that your favorite food is something that is drilled into your head. Like, my favorite food is this dish that my mom makes, my mom and my dad make, um, but, um, I, I know as more so what my mom makes, because they, they both have their own distinct versions, and I honestly like my mom's version better, it's this Indian dish called alu kasag, and what it is, it's potatoes with cumin and um, mustard, and when I say mustard, I don't mean yellow mustard, I mean mustard, like the seed, 
Uh, in Hindi, that's called Rai. Uh, the human is called uh, Zira or Jira. Um, and uh, then there's red chili and turmeric and obviously salt. And it's basically the potatoes are either boiled and then sautéed in uh in a little bit of oil and the spices or they are just cut up and uh and sauteed in the spices and then water is added later on to uh, help the potatoes cook and it's a very very tasty dish because the way that the uh the cumin and the mustard come together is truly fascinating because you know it's not like it's not like a curry taste like it's not what you what some people might know as garam masala or uh any sort of other masala but you know it's it's a really amazing dish it's a really interesting dish because for one it's a carb and it's potato, so, like, it's a good side dish, but also you can use it to fill you up. But it's also very transmutable in terms that you can use the same recipe, the same preparation style for other vegetables, especially root, <laughs> especially root vegetables like um, uh, taro or... or um, certain types of radishes, or, or rutabaga, or, you know, like other root vegetables, um, and they, they tend to come out really good, and you can use them for regular vegetables too, the same, you know, mustard, and cumin, and red chili, and, um, um, turmeric, um, combination and it's it's a, honestly it's a very simple combination that i truly truly love and enjoy but i you know i've never had like a a like a bad version of this dish and so like that's that's why like it's my favorite dish because i grew up eating it like some of my first memories like you know obviously when you're little um, your memories really only kick in when you're three because that's when that part of the brain is fully developed. But um, some of my first memories of food, um, getting into liking food enough to where I started liking cooking, was eating my mom's alukasag. And, you know, obviously there are a lot of other dishes that I like, both that are prepared at home and that I have <laughs> eaten, like, outside. Like, um... For for instance, I'll give you one that I like outside. I I'm a big fan, huge fan, of calamari. Now, we don't eat calamari at home, um, mostly because, um, it's it's not one of my mom's favorite things to eat or prepare, so uh, we don't really. Uh, eat it. Uh, it's not my dad's favorite thing to prepare either. It's not my favorite thing to prepare. Uh, my sister doesn't really cook. Sorry, Sonia. Um, <laughs> so, uh, 
it's it's something that I really only get outside, but I really enjoy a good piece of calamari here and there, especially as an appetizer. Oh my gosh. Like, it's just one of those fried foods that really, <coughs> really, like, satiates you, you know? Um, and you can use all sorts of dipping sauces with it. I've had it with marinara. I've had it with garlic aioli. I've had it with pesto, even. Uh, sweet chili sauce. Um, yeah, all sorts of things. Soy sauce. Um... And it just, it tastes really good. And I suppose it's also, it matters the batter you use, because you can use, like, panko, you can use a buttermilk, you can use beer, uh, you can use regular flour, you can use, uh, you can use all sorts of flours. But, and you can, you can prepare it for all different types of cuisines. Like I said, you can use panko, which is a more East Asian uh, ingredient, and you can dip it in soy sauce again, more East Asian. Um, you can use aiolis or marinara, which is more Italian and French well, in terms of the aioli. Um, and, wow, I'm, I'm really hungry, guys. Uh, but yeah, no, I believe that your favorite food comes from what we were eating when you were younger, because I also grew up eating that as a snack or as an appetizer before a lot of meals that we would eat outside. And that's why I'm saying that, you know, you can do it in all those different preparations because pretty much everywhere that we went when we were little, um, or I went that I, when I was little, I would ask my parents like, Hey, can we order calamari? Usually they would say yes, because you know, it's a very lean protein. Um, the only problem is that it's fried, so I wouldn't get it all the time. But, you know, it tastes very good, at least to me. Um, the texture can be a bit tricky. I definitely think that, that some people are uh, not necessarily too fond of it. Like, I know personally... Um, my mom's not the biggest fan of the texture of calamari. She famously says she doesn't know when to stop chewing, which, honestly, I agree with. Sometimes I'm a little perturbed by it, and I don't know when to stop chewing. But eventually, <coughs> I stop, and I swallow, and it tastes good. Um, but, yeah. I mean... Like, uh, favorite food can also, like, like I said, uh, it, it, it really is a product of what you grew up with, you know, eating a lot. And I think that for the few instances where your favorite food is something that you discover later in life, I think even then it might be a product of something that you had similar, similarly, uh, that you had when you were younger, or maybe because it tastes further from what you could be having, like when you were younger, like it, like it tastes so different, 
Like, I know, I know someone whose uh, favorite food is an Indian dish, um, but they grew up eating primarily uh, Mediterranean food. And they were just like, well, I never had this sort of combination of spices before. And I think the reason why they they like it so much is because of how far away it is from what they grew up eating. <coughs> that is not necessarily to say that they're sick of Mediterranean food, and I love Mediterranean food, and a lot of my family does too. Um, but, uh... Yeah, no, I... I really do believe that food comes from, your favorite food comes from your uh, childhood experience. And honestly, my favorite food being something that my mom and dad prepare, uh, I'm thankful that I live in a family of people who know how to cook. Uh, I said earlier that my sister's not a big cook, but uh, she recently actually gave me a jar of homemade kimchi that's right folks homemade kimchi and you know she gave it to me as soon as she made it and she said hey don't eat it yet it has to ferment so i let it ferment and when i popped it into my mouth oh my gosh this was amazing and and like it's not even part of the cuisine of my heritage and I feel the homely vibes that kimchi has you know like I can feel that this was prepared by somebody like I knew that my sister put in work for this and I'm honestly props to her because she's not the biggest cook and well I guess kimchi's not is kimchi cooking I don't actually don't know how you prepare kimchi I'll have to ask her uh, I believe that you just take um, the sauce, the gochujang, and um, kind of after rinsing the cabbage and like salting it, you kind of like rub it around. But uh, I could have that wrong, so I'll have to I'll have to ask her. Um, but yeah, no, it was incredible, and I love the fact that I'm in a family of cooks because. Cooking, honestly, is one of those skills that helps you out a lot. Like, I know I know one of my friends, he likes to cook steaks in his apartment, and, and he gets a perfect medium-rare every time. And I know, obviously, medium-rare is not everyone's favorite temperature, but you're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're not, you're not wrong. If you like your steaks any other way, you're not wrong. If you don't like steaks, but, um, I like steaks and I like a medium rare. And this guy also likes a medium rare. And he gets it perfect every time. And, and I have to ask this guy, like, how do you know? Like you don't always use the same pan and you don't always put it on the same setting. Like I've seen this guy cook it on higher settings and lower settings and like he gets it perfect every time like or actually I shouldn't say that but like he he sometimes he grills them he uh puts them in the oven one time even 
uh yeah he even that's right folks he put it in the oven and got a medium rare like outside was cooked perfection and inside was still pink and juicy oh my god i'm i'm so hungry guys i really need food and honestly let me plug some of the restaurants on campus uh this isn't advertising but um i recently uh got into eating nova grill and um they're really good and obviously uh campco is the better known restaurant uh nearby campus but nova grill honestly like mediterranean food superb and my friends and i go there uh, like before club meetings and stuff and and we have a really good time But I guess I guess that's enough about food. Um Yeah, I guess I guess that's enough about food. So uh yeah, folks, you're listening to WXVU Villanova, aka The Roar, and more specifically, you're listening to Sing of a Hill with your host Ray Singh. That's me. And uh, we're approaching our last 15 minutes of the show, so, uh, yeah, I guess I'll have to wrap up, uh, this show, um, but, um, before I go, I'd like to talk about, uh, something else that, uh, really is, uh, I think is interesting, and that is traveling, um, uh, I, I am a big, uh, travel bug, uh, I love to visit different countries, um, I love to visit different states, love to visit different, uh, towns and cities, um, and experience, uh, differences, really, uh, different foods, different atmospheres, just different ways of life, or even, like I said before, you can talk to people and see different ways of thinking, different perspectives, different worldviews, different comprehensive doctrines, and, 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 like, they're very, very interesting. Like, I remember I was on a family trip in, in Greece, and we had a cab driver and or not we had a cab driver we took a cab and we had a obviously the cab had a driver um and we we were talking with him and he was very very knowledgeable on things that were happening in in America and like the rest of the west and I, f- I was amazed. Like, my parents and, like, my parents are very well-read people, uh, which is something I aspire to be. Uh, I don't consider myself as well-read as them, but uh, I'm getting there. Um, but, uh, yeah, this guy was able to keep pace with my parents in this conversation. And I was just like, shucks. I, that's amazing. And his viewpoint on some of the issues was one that either I'd agree with or something I've never heard. And 
you know, still ponder now and then. Like, maybe I don't necessarily agree with it, but, um, yeah, like, it was very interesting. Like, um, let me, let me see if I could think. Um, so, obviously, this was, uh, before COVID. I, I guess I shouldn't say obviously, because travel is, uh, back in order, as it should be, uh, limiting travel was one of the, uh, worst things that, uh, was, like, a menial side effect of COVID, like, obviously, uh, like, it's very menial to say, like, oh, travel's limited, boohoo, um, because COVID was worse than that, obviously, it took lives, hospitalized, displaced jobs, but, no, but, um, no, uh, travel, uh, this guy had very interesting topic, or an interesting, uh, viewpoint on the topic of, of, what was it? It was something to do with watches, I believe. And he said that nowadays, watches are stylistic pieces, when in reality, watches were meant to be timepieces. And, and I think... He's more than right. It's a belief I hold now. Like, watches nowadays are just for style. I mean, obviously, we have smartwatches that do more than keep time. Uh, honestly, I have a smartwatch, and, like, being able to receive notifications and check them by just flicking my wrist in the right direction towards me is honestly really helpful. But in terms of a timepiece, I have my phone, and sometimes, even with my smartwatch or regular watch on, like, regular analog watch on, I will check my phone for the time. And it's, it's really weird, because watches used to be a very integral piece in uh, a person's outfit, because... That was the only thing they could use to tell time. But nowadays... Uh, when I say the only thing, uh, I'm assuming that clocks weren't uh, around in whatever room or area they were in. Because not every room has a clock. Um, and I assume people aren't going to run to a clock every time they want to know the time. You know, they'd much rather just flick their wrist, check out what's going on. Um, or, you know, you have the, uh, pocket watches, which are rather interesting, um, because you can just pull those out and check the time, but, yeah, no, like, it was, back to the original point, it's very interesting because watches nowadays really have become purely a stylistic element. I no longer feel the need to to wear the watch. There are many days where I even forget my uh, my Apple Watch or uh, my analog watch, and I don't feel worse for it. Like I'm completely fine without the watch. Like I and and I'm in I'm going in rooms that don't have clocks. I'm not always using technology, like, I'm not always, I should say, I'm not always using my computer, so, to have my phone tell the time, I can just check that by p picking it out of my pocket, 
like a like a pocket watch you know so i just that problem isn't there anymore that necessity for the watch isn't there anymore so i don't have a problem i don't know though uh what do you what do you guys think i hope uh maybe i can inspire some uh thinking of based on not based on your part but some thinking on your part um you know do you really need your watch if you wear one uh or if you don't do you think you might ever use one and for what purpose is it to really tell the time or actually this is a question for people who wear watches do you wear your watch to legitimately tell the time like do you really think that it is significantly easier than checking your phone or do you wear it for style because i have i have a i don't have a a large collection of watches and i don't have necessarily the most expensive watches like i'm not walking around with a sky dweller or or anything like that like a rolex you know rolex sky sky dweller um but i have a collection of watches and i i wear them based on occasion and i think that speaks volumes because that's just that sense i wear them on occasion or based on occasion tells you that i don't look at it as as a timepiece i look at it as a stylistic element and I'm sure some of my friends will disagree because some of them wear watches and, um, it's, it's very, uh, it's very interesting because everybody wears such different watches, uh, that, you know, like there's digital ones and there are analog ones and there are smart watches that you can set the face to be analog or digital. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's really, it's a really interesting take that this guy had, that watches were now stylistic pieces. So, yeah. Alright, we're approaching the last five minutes of the show. Um, in the future, I, I don't know what I'll do for the last five minutes uh, in the future. Uh, I'd like possibility to take calls. Uh, hopefully, you guys would enjoy that as well um i think that it would be cool to hear what you guys have to say maybe maybe not have that for the last five minutes maybe i'll dedicate 30 minutes to that um instead that way you guys don't have to hear me drone on about uh various topics for uh forever but 
but yeah. So, I honestly, I don't know what to do right now. So, I think what I'm going to do is go to sleep. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to go to sleep on air. That would be bad. But uh, on the air, I like to say that uh, the Villanova Tech Zone is a free resource for helping students. Uh, faculty and staff troubleshoot their technological needs and uh, they even gave us a number so uh, contact them at 610-519-7777 you can chat with them online visit them at the law school Falvey library or the new commons office uh, for more information visit unit.villanova.edu um, what else is there? Uh, oh, there's the Winter 2023 Student Involvement Fair that is being held uh, Tuesday, February 7th from 5 to 8 p.m. at the Connolly Center in the Villanova Room. And from media organizations like WXVU, your very own, uh, to music and theater activities, to religious and spiritual organizations, uh, and so many others, they will be presenting, uh, they will, or they will be present to answer questions and offer opportunities for all Villanova students. Um, that's the Winter 2023 Student Involvement Fair in the Villanova Room on February 7th from 5 to 8. That is, I believe, next Tuesday. Uh, it's brought to you by Villanova's Office of Student Involvement. Be engaged, be involved. You know, um, I think uh, I. In fact, I'll be at the involvement fair. I won't tell you what table I'll be at, but I'll be there. And uh, if you know me, uh, if you know me, and you're tuning in, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I appreciate it. But uh, if you know me, and you're at the involvement fair, come say hi. Um, I do that with. Uh, all my friends uh, that I see at uh, the involvement fair, you know, I, uh, I I think I'm involved in as many clubs as I'd like to be involved in. So at the involvement fair, I go around uh, and say hi, like for like five minutes uh, when I know my uh, friends are around. But um, then I'm back to my uh, table with my organization, and I stay there and I help present on what the club or organization that uh, I'm a part of is about and uh, yeah I generally help recruit um yeah and club fairs really is a great place to uh, get to know what you want to, uh, what you want to do in your spare time at Villanova, because you can, you don't, you don't just hang out with your friends in college, you also, you want to do things like, like, like I want to do a radio, and, um, uh, I, and, uh, I want to be part of, like, political discussions, and uh, there are clubs for that. So, yeah.
So, with all of that, I will leave you. Uh, thank you for joining me um, on Sing of the Hill. And, yeah, I will see you in the next one.